Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. start at the beginning. Uh, so hands up who's heard of Psalm 23 before, even if you hadn't. If, great, great. Um, and why? maybe you can say the first line with me. Why don't we try and say the first line? Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's how lots of the songs go. You might have heard it in songs or in films or school assemblies. So I thought lots of us might have heard of it. Um, but I also actually wondered, um, I feel like it's, it's quite a significant psalm as well. Like, I wonder if many of you have stories of God speaking to you through this psalm as well. Do you have any significant moments of your life or faith where um, God's spoken to you through this psalm? Can I have another hands up for that? Have you had any moments where Psalm 23 has been like your go-to as well? Okay, that's good. There's quite a lot of us. Um, so that's not like a Christian test to see who knows the Bible best. <laughs> um, it's just, um, yeah, this psalm is so rich and full of meaning and it really um, does speak into our lives and who God wants to be for us. So I just wanted to highlight that a bit. But we're going to do an exercise to start. Um, not like an exercise, but like, <laughs> like a reflection exercise on this psalm to get us ready to journey with God on this. So... Uh, if you're not comfy, just get comfy. If you want to kneel down or stand up, do that. Uh, but it might help to close your eyes. And ask yourself, what do I lack? It might be, what do I need? Or where am I feeling empty? But what do I lack? Imagine that thing. It might be a feeling, a person, something you've lost. It might be something you need, a confidence you lack, or a possession, or a job, or a sense of security even. Imagine that thing. Stretch out your hands and imagine holding it in your hands. Jesus is standing in front of you. He has kind eyes. He starts to stretch out his hands to you. He's offering you to give that thing to him. And as he reaches his hands out, he says, I am your shepherd. You lack nothing. I let you lie down in green pastures. I lead you beside still waters. I refresh your soul. I guide you along the right paths for my name's sake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you will fear no evil. For I'm with you. My rod and my staff comfort you. 
I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I anoint your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely my goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So God, we give you these things. And we just start this time um, by just laying our lives before you again and saying, God, come and speak to us. Um, come and meet with us in those areas and um, things even where we feel like we lack. And God, I ask that this morning you would open up for us a new and living way. A way where we get to trust you fully. A way where we get to give you our whole lives and see just how radical that is in our culture and in the world around us. God, show us more what it means to be your children, the ones who are looked after and shepherded by you. Thank you, Jesus, that we lack nothing. Amen. Um, so it's kind of the talk in a little reflection exercise, but um, we're going to go through it uh, in a bit more detail now and already we start to see some of the value that this psalm holds uh, just and and just the truths that it contains as well and how much these truths are worth grabbing with onto with both hands and guarding with your life um, and I think it gives us a beautiful insight into what is possible in our relationship with God as well and what's possible in the way we experience the world because of that relationship with God if you see what I mean um, so I don't really have a few neat points for us today. I'm mostly going to start with the beginning of the psalm and we'll just unpack it uh, as we go. Uh, but I do want to highlight that point kind of that I was praying of how radical this could look in our world. Uh, and I would dare to say that we've not yet seen this level of trust that Psalm 23 explains lived out in our culture. And... That's our challenge, <laughs> and we're the ones who get to start and get to try that out. Uh, so, yeah, so just let God be speaking to you as we go. Um, so, and you want to have the passage open because we're going to keep going back to it. So the first thing to look at is, the Lord is my shepherd, that first line that we all know so well. Um, and a shepherd is, is how God speaks about himself at various points in Scripture, and it's also used for uh, the kings of Israel as well. Uh, so God himself and the kings of Israel. And this parallel is because um, God puts, he puts leaders in place in Israel. So he puts kings in place in Israel to live out his ways and mediate his rule to his people. So a good king of Israel doing their job well is, um, mirrors this role of a good shepherd. Um, the kings of Israel kind of called to be earthly shepherds to the flock of God's people, as it were, um, mirroring God's rule. So that's what David would have understood as a shepherd turned into a king of Israel, that this is what the leaders of Israel are called to imitate uh, and the leaders of our world are called to imitate, actually, uh, just as much as it's God's character. Uh, but the focus, obviously, is on God because that's who the leaders are trying to imitate. So we see that here um, this kind of tension between the earthly shepherds and God as shepherd in Ezekiel as well, which mirrors this psalm 
amazingly, to be honest. Um, so God entrusts the leadership and shepherding of his precious people to these kings, various kings and judges as well. Um, and then he says in Ezekiel, I haven't actually got the bit where he, on the screen where he says the state that he finds his people in. Basically, he's like, my people are scattered. My people were scattered because there was no shepherd. When they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. And into this situation, God says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself, oh sorry, go back to the one before. This is the next slide. Thank you, sorry. Um, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. Therefore, they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. So the heart of God to shepherd us comes through so clearly here, doesn't it? That even when the leaders fail and the systems of the world and the people who were supposed to be, who were intended to care for us, leave us scattered and lost, God himself will shepherd us. He, he is still our shepherd and he steps in. It's kind of what we see in this passage. Um, and th there is that tension of him being hands-on and committed to shepherding and caring for us. And yet there also being people whose job that is um, on the earth. But we see how deeply committed he is, to, he is to that. So it's a beautifully practical analogy, the one of shepherding. But it's also deeply loving. And that's what we see throughout scripture as God introduces himself as the shepherd, the one who wants to care for us. So we see that even if we just do, so that is the next slide where I've done the little, this is just a quick little word study <laughs> of this passage, just picking out the verbs that, um, where God is saying he's going to do something. So he says, well, then we see that for God to shepherd us means to search for us, to look, to look after us, to rescue us, to tend us, to have us lie down. Uh, to search for us, bring us back, bind us up and strengthen us. Um, and then beyond the verbs, there's those things he promises about providing a good grazing land and a rich pasture as well. So this is who God is. Um, and he, he says it himself through the prophet Ezekiel. This is, this is what I expect to do as your shepherd almost. Um, and he... And he invites us into that relationship of knowing him as shepherd and all the day-to-day -day looking after that that entails. And then we see later as well that Jesus says the same thing. He echoes the same message of, um, well, the same heart of God of saying that this is who I am. And the way that he says it is, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So again, we see consistent through the Bible that the heart of God is to be our shepherd and to invite us into this um, intimate relationship where he actually looks after us and he's okay with that. He's not put out by that um, or annoyed that we still need looking after and that we might go astray. Um, so I do see, I see this as if there's like, the ha- like God's hands are outstretched to us uh, and just inviting us to be looked after by him and to know his voice and follow it. As Jesus says in that John 10 passage earlier on as well, that his sheep know his voice and they follow his voice uh, and to be cared for by him. Um, so, and I think this is what David understands so well as he writes this psalm. Now, he was pretty well qualified to write a psalm about shepherding um, in that he was a shepherd. That was his first job. And then, as I said, he, turned into, he then was the king of Israel later in his life. So he went from shepherding sheep to shepherding people um, and so understood that role quite well. But I think there's more than just his experience of shepherding and his knowledge of sheep and shepherding the people of God even that is behind Um, that's behind this psalm and that David understands as he writes this. Because clearly David has built a relationship with God in his days of sitting worshipping in a field and his days of leading God's people that he knows God to be his shepherd. Notice it says, the Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd or the shepherd or even the ultimate huge shepherd in the sky. (laughs) It's like, he's my shepherd. He's David's shepherd. Um, and he's built that up over the years of, um, because God's revealed that to him enough times. He's provided for him enough times. He's come through for him enough times. He's been there for him when it's been tough, when he's messed up, when he thought all his sheep or all his people were literally going to die. He's seen God come through. Um, until he gets to this point where he's singing songs and writing poems about, um, about it all to tell the world who his God truly is. And so it's this same way that God invites us to know him, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he looks after us, that he is our shepherd. So I wonder when you've known God as your shepherd, when have you seen him come through for you? I don't know if there's any times that come to mind. Maybe you're new to this, but have you ever thought about God like that? Now, for me, this is, we'll hear some stories from some people later on. But um, for me, this is one of those questions that has countless answers because it's like, it's the daily things where God shows up that you know that he does look after you. So in conversations where I ask him to give me the words in exams or a driving test or finding a job or in a breakup, um, or helping me build a life abroad even, and uh, even providing my salary and my study fees now. Um, But the story that stands out for me is one from school, and this is quite a lame story to share, but um, it does does capture that, that sense of, I guess, God knowing you personally and knowing what you need in a time and coming through for you time and time again. Um, So I loved school, and... um, I did love my friends at school, my time at high school, uh, but it was also a pretty lonely time where um, 
I had a lot of fr- I made a lot of friends who I was giving out a lot to, basically, who were discovering faith, and who's, so their lives were very up and down. So it was kind of this chaos of each friendship just up and down, and people turning around on you at any time. Um, and so it ended up being a pretty isolating time of just like, at the end of the day, who's there for me? And as a teenager, that is hard, and I also sort of navigate the world by my emotions and need to externally process things to know anything. So friends are like important to me. Uh, and God knew that and he, you know, I know that he was there with me. And yet I had this really profound time. I don't know what year it would have been, but where I was able to look back on some of that time and just see that there'd always been someone that in all of those years of feeling like I keep getting let down by people and there's no one here for me and uh, I can't build friendships that feel like actual friendships rather than just I'm helping people. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, and looking back, it was like there was always someone, even if it was a different person each time and that rotated around. um, Clearly, there was... Clearly, God had been providing. Um, There was that caring provision of God that was always there. He hadn't let me down. He hadn't left me. And there'd always been someone, despite it feeling hard. Um, So, yeah, so I share that just to, I guess, just to paint a a bit of a picture of um, that trust building up and the trust that David is describing in in this psalm of knowing God as his shepherd, who knows what he needs and comes through for him consistently. Um... So yeah, so that's the first, um, first thing I wanted to explore is God being our shepherd uh, and what that means and what God means by that <laughs> is, is who he is. It's not, um, and yes, it's a metaphor, all of it is, but, um, uh, but it is also something he can't help but do. He wants to look after us. And so then David adds this next radical line where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack Nothing. And um, in some translations, and I guess it's the more traditional translations, will say, I shall not want. Um, And yet what the Hebrew is really trying to say there is, I lack nothing, which is actually the NIV translation, so it's not that rogue. Um, Anyways, um, but I love how he puts it like a conclusion. It's like an obvious resulting factor, as if there was a therefore. Like, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. Have you ever heard anyone say that in your life? Has anyone turned to you and said, oh yeah, I don't, I don't need anything. I lack nothing. I'm content. Um, it's not something that our world ever lets us think. Nothing in our world wants us to believe this or think this at any moment in a day. Uh, if you haven't chosen to stand for something that says, I lack nothing because God is everything I need, Everything else in the world will tell you the opposite and say, no, but you need this. And what about this new thing? And really, you needed to back up one of those because what if that one breaks? Um, And that's kind of material, but it goes a lot deeper than that. And what about this relationship you don't have? And what about uh, this sense of confidence that you don't have as well? Um, But God gives us a totally different dialogue that says, I am your shepherd. You lack nothing. There's nothing else you need, um, which is huge. Uh, and that's why I say this, will look, this will look, does look radical in our culture. Um, so I guess, so, but it's not just a comforting truth. There's a day-to-day practical reality in this. So that's what I want to unpack by going through the rest of the psalm. So, because uh, this is kind of how, it feels like 
That's the sort of title of the psalm. And then the rest of it unpacks how and why that's true, in a sense. So he's, David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So it's worth interjecting at this point, just to give us a little more understanding of the life of an ancient Palestinian sheep <laughs> that this psalm is describing. <laughs> uh, and what's actually going on here between the sheep and the shepherd, because um, just searching through commentaries and things, I found some amazing things which blow this wide open. So uh, first it's worth knowing that shepherding and goat herding were like... Um, one of the major occupations of Palestine throughout its history. So as David's writing this, it's not just him who understands what this means. Um, his world understands what this means. Um, and yeah, so this is just quoted from the commentary. Uh, so ancient shepherds walked in front of their flocks and a flock knew its shepherd's voice and would follow only him. Often for protection, flocks were lodged together at night and separated in the morning when the shepherd called their sheep by name. They provided their flocks with water and food. They knew each sheep and lamb, and when one was lost, they went out to find it. Small lambs, unable to keep up with the flock, were often carried next to a shepherd's chest inside the fold of his outer garment. And the shepherd also protected his flock, risking his life if necessary. Which we know is true of David's life as well, actually, because it says... Um, there's a bit in 1 Samuel 17 where he's telling Saul um, about, you know, it's, it's not a, a resume of his time shepherding, but he's proving why he has the courage to face Goliath. And he's saying, um, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Um, and he says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine, so Goliath. So this is generally what went on if you were shepherding in a dangerous <laughs> and wild environment where wolves were actually, wolves were the most common predator, but clearly lions and bears were never too far around the corner either. Um, so... Yeah, there's a cool side note about David building up trust in God, seeing him come through with the lion and the bear and then having the courage with Goliath because he's like, God did it before, he can do it again. Anyways, there's more about sheep we need to unpack. <laughs> um, where, um, oh yeah, so we're just going back to this commentary. So obviously sheep in this like world are quite different to our sheep on the fields of whales and things. There's no wolves. Um, and so it makes this all a lot more understandable, where any disturbance or intruder scares a sheep. They're very fearful animals and cannot lie down unless they feel totally secure. Sheep are afraid of fast-flowing streams. So still waters has a soothing effect and calms sheep. And ancient shepherds use the rod and staff to rescue, protect, and guide the sheep. So applying this to the passage, we get a whole new understanding um, of what David is really saying here um, about who God is to him. So I'm going to go through and just put that in. So where it says, um, the Lord is my shepherd. 
He's saying, he's the one who looks after me. I know his voice, uh, and he knows me. He knows me by name, in fact. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, so he makes me feel totally safe and secure in his abundant provision for me. He leads me beside quiet waters, so he gives me peace amongst all the things in my environment that could frighten me or make me anxious. God knows how to give me peace. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So even though I don't know where I'm going, I follow his voice. And again, in the context of a sheep, this makes more sense because a shepherd doesn't expect the sheep to know what's around the corner or to know the terrain ahead or right from wrong by itself. That's why the shepherd is there. His job is to guide um, and, to pick, and, and to pick you up like a small lamb when you're getting behind and you don't have the strength to carry on. Um, it's what a shepherd does. So even though I walk through the darkest valley, through trial or hardship or death, I will fear no evil. There's no need to fear, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. I can find comfort no matter how dark my situation because I know you stand over me, protecting me, rescuing me, guiding me to safety and guiding me on. It's what you do. Um, so there's a lot in that that might already be <laughs> speaking into your situations because it, it is kind of practical for our lives when we unpack it. Um, I actually learned this psalm a couple of years ago to read it uh, at my granddad's funeral. And I found it a really profound experience of basically drinking in these truths uh, and, and the peace of these truths as well when I needed them. And mostly I was praying them over my granny as well, over and over, uh, that she would have this peace that doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for sheep either. They're actually, they're not safe in their circumstances. <laughs> they're entirely defenseless if a wolf comes around the corner. If the shepherd's not there, it is over for them. <laughs> um, and um, uh, Helen was saying, even if they fall on their backs, then they're like, they can't, they can't get up by themselves. Anyways. Um, and they're defenseless, if they're defenseless if they lose their way and get lost by themselves. Uh, and this is how it often feels. It does, can feel like we're defenseless in life defenseless in loss because we realize we can't control anything we can't bring a person back we can't make ourselves happy <laughs> and um and actually we can't find peace in lots of our situations we can't control our situations it's hard to find peace we don't have peace as a commodity we can't go out and get peace we need to trust um we're, we're reliant on the on the shepherd who gives us peace to do that for us, basically. Uh, and a lot of the time we don't notice because our society is built to sort of build comforts around us so we don't notice how defenseless we are uh, in the face of a lot of the things that life can throw at us. Um, and often we feel defenseless without money. We can't protect ourselves from loss or damage without backup money. We can't provide for ourselves without money today. <laughs> um, and that was kind of my experience when I've done Escape and Pray before. This is the starkest that I've noticed it. So Escape and Pray is where you go, um, you go to a location in Europe for 48 hours. And you don't know where you're going until you get to the airport. Um, and so you go with the, the commissioning that Jesus gives the 72 in Luke 10, where he says um, uh, all this stuff about you won't 
don't take a purse or wallet with you. You won't need anything. Um, but go and proclaim my name and baptize people in my name and heal the sick and da 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 da. Um, and so we went kind of like that, like, let's see if this works, basically. <laughs> and, um, and if it still works today. And so you have 20 euros each or the equivalent in whatever country it is. Um, and that's it for 48 hours. So in most countries, that's not enough for like a night's accommodation. Uh, so the first time I went, we went to Milan and I remember, um, it's basically the thing that's a great idea when you're at the airport this side and then you get there and you're not even in the city because no airports are in the middle of cities who so are like, right, um, now what do we do? And, um, but the, the main, one of the huge things that I've learned from it is, um, is about, um, <laughs> is about how defenseless we are without money, basically, and how much we're used to just being able to be like, oh, I can control this situation. If I want this, I can have this. Um, and so, yeah, the first time I went, the first night we were in Milan um, and, um, and needed somewhere to stay, and we walked around trying to go to a church that didn't exist, or it was somewhere else, not even in the city that we thought it was. And, um, and so we walked like the length of Milan, basically, it's a big place, and then got to the center and was still praying for somewhere to stay and it got to like 11 at night and we were on like booking.com with the police on their phones. <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? Um, and yeah, obviously still praying, but we are like, we also need to think about not just sleeping on the streets in Milan, because there's just three, four girls. Um, and then um, basically we, the, the point is of how vulnerable you feel um, without being able, when, when it's literally God's provision or it's nothing. So that's what we're aware of in this situation. And it, also how rarely you are in that situation uh, in our day and age that it's God's provision or nothing. And so, um, so he did come through in the end and there was amazing like uh, chain of events where we ended up um, at a lady's apartment and she was a Catholic lady and all her kids and her husband were away for this week so she had like this empty nest syndrome for the week and she was like come and stay she also was an Italian an Italian chef so it was literally like it was the bar was high on that one it was good um and was an encouragement to her as well so it was an, just an insane story of only God can do that um and and yet he also let us go through that sense of vulnerability of being like just because it's just because it's huge to go. What if, what if God doesn't show up, and and to actually need Him to? Uh, so that is the life that He invites us to, and that's what we have kind of sense with money recently as well. Because I do have to admit that then I was in this place this week of just being panicky again, um, of being um, feeling like that vulnerable sheep because. Um, Ollie doesn't worry about money, so it is kind of fine. <laughs> if I get this weird daily panic, and I've had that this week, that I won't be able to provide for ourselves, that we won't have enough by the end of the month, and therefore, we're never going to have enough for the rest of our lives because we can't save for it now. Because uh, again, that's kind of how our culture works. You need to be saving now for 50 years' time and 70 years' time. Otherwise, it's all going to fall through. Um, and so, helpfully, I was thinking and writing about how God is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Um, and so it's not resolved any of the situation yet, but, I, but as I had a moment of panic on Thursday, this was the truth I was able to pray over our finances, that we lack nothing, that we have the God of the universe looking after us. So what are we worried about? Um, and often it doesn't make sense, and yet it just also makes sense. 
Um, I can give my panic and worry to God because he makes me lie down in green pastures and because I lack nothing. Um, so as the good shepherd who provides, um, I know that's what he wants for me. Um, so yes, and then um, we'll kind of round it off there. We do see more about God's provision in the end of the psalm because there's this amazing, lavish picture of him preparing a table, a banquet and a feast before us in the presence of our enemies, kind of everything that's come against us before. So there's a sense of victory here too, that everything that comes against you has no power in the presence and provision of God. Um, and that actually he prepares this feast and this banquet where your cup is overflowing. He doesn't want you to leave. He wants you to stay there. And there's this sense of being a lavish host. And yes, it changes, um, I should say as well, the imagery changes a bit from being a sheep and a shepherd to being a king and a servant in this bit. Um, but we did talk about that parallel a bit where a shepherd is a king and vice versa. Um, and and it, he's a... He says, you anoint my head with oil. So that's what um, was a middle, wait, ancient Middle East um, tradition for like to honor, a way of honoring a guest. So we're not just servants and sheep, but we're also honored guests at his table. People who, he, he lays a feast out for us um, and, and blesses us with lavish generosity and provision. Um, and that's not, uh, it's not a prosperity gospel of um, us being rich if we trust God, but it's the idea of, um, <laughs> it paints a picture of what is possible when you put your life in God's hands. And it's, this is his heart's cry as the shepherd to say, let me look after you. Let me show you what's possible. The abundance of my house as you just live with me. Um, and so this is my last little rounding off bit. So the last of so the psalm finishes on this beautiful phrase. Uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in the French translation that I use sometimes, it, has, it says it slightly differently where it says, I will come back to the house of God as long as I live. Uh, so this forever does have that dual meaning of um, an invitation to know God the King and to be in his presence forever and the other side of this life, but also to know him now in a way that we can come and go from his house as we like and as long as we live. So we're always welcome to enter into his presence, to feast with him, to come in and know more and more of the abundance that he has for us. That's the idea, rather than him being like, don't stay. <laughs> it's the idea of this is a place where you are welcome um, and, and there's no end to what you will see as you keep coming into my presence. Um, and so Revelation speaks of this forever again. I love this verse, which we will have on the screen. This forever in the house of God like this. And this is our hope, that the God who promises to look after us and be our shepherd and says this consistently throughout the Bible, then at the end of time, this is his hope. This is what he's waiting for, that never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear away from wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our God. This is who we get to know. This is the God who's saying, "Come and go. Come to my house. Come into my house and my presence anytime you like." There's an abundance here. There's enough for you. 
He's the God who's saying, I expect to look after you every day of your life. It's not annoying for me when you need my help. <laughs> I expect to be the one who is shepherding you. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm inviting you to. So of course, this is a God who can look after us now, today, <laughs> this week. Those things that we feel like we lack, that we've, been, that we've started to give over to him. He can look after us in those things. So that's the invitation for us today, is to trust him deeply with our whole lives because he promises to be our shepherd uh, and to look after us in every way, every possible way. So that might seem quite daunting, but it's likely to start with a small step for you today. What's the next step for you in this? In what situations is God actually inviting you to know him as your shepherd today? What's the next step to take? So we'll give you time to reflect on these questions in a minute. Um, but, and I'll have, yeah, and there's more questions that unpack that. Could we just go back so they don't distract for now, Johnny? Sorry. We'll leave it on Revelation's a good place to end. Um, first, we have um, a couple of stories. I thought it'd be good to finish with a couple of stories from our community of how God is already caring for us. Um, and hopefully this will build our faith more to see God come through as our shepherd in our lives as well. Uh, so yeah, then you'll get your space to reflect and we'll pray together after that. Uh, so Luke and Mars and Andrew had said they would share if you're up for coming up now. Oh, Mars is there, that's fine. Hey. So they're just going to answer the question that I asked rhetorically earlier. Um, when have you known God as your shepherd? Uh, and when have you seen him come through for you? Are you ready? Go ahead. Okay, so this is um, <clears throat> it's quite easy for me because um, I'll share... A, I, well, basically, it's my testimony. So um, I've lived without God and live with God. Um, so... Two year, I've only been a Christian for two and a half years. I did Alpha in January 2016. And life before God, um, before God was my shepherd, I was having up to four or five panic attacks a day. Uh, life just became so dark and scary. Um, I was at the end of my tether and I tried everything, but then I finally did Alpha in 2016. And well, I'm here today. I work for Ivy. It completely changed my life. And knowing so I still, get, I still get really anxious about stuff. Coming up here to the front, as soon as Joe asked me, I was like, oh, no, I can't do it. I just get panic, 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 panic. But the first line and what Joe said to us, you know, when she was asking us what, you know, what would we ask from Jesus? For me, it's confidence to be able to do this well. Um, so the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I can come up here and share, even though I'm really panicky, God still loves me. Um, but since doing, uh, since doing Alpha in 2016, I haven't, so it, we'd had the Holy Spirit day and um, I prayed for peace. I was like, Jesus, I just want to know this peace which everyone's talking about. And since that day, two and a half years later, I've not had a single panic attack, which is just, it's just, yeah. For me, that's like inconceivable to even imagine, like ask Laura how, how, dark life was before that and since then and just just want to finish with uh what joe finished with is surely your goodness and love will follow me for uh, for all the days of my life and that is since entering that relationship with god knowing that he's my shepherd it's just that love that peace has followed me for the, all the days and long it may continue yeah.
Yes, it will. Thanks, Luke. That was so good. Great. You guys. Um, our story is a little bit different, but um, about 10 years ago, um, we, we felt God say to us, he wanted us to upgrade um, uh, and gave us a vision that, uh, to have a house where people could just come um, and be prayed for, uh, a house where people could come if they needed a place to stay, um, and just to be a community hub where people could actually just come and have a, a, a time of relaxation. Um, and so um, we started praying into that and, and trying to work out a financial plan of how we could actually um, get the house that God had wanted us to have. Do you want to talk? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so we had a bit of a false start at one point where um, uh, we put an offer on a house in Withington and short time afterwards I was told I was going to be made redundant. So we thought, well, <laughs> God's making things fairly clear at the moment, not the right moment. So we put things on hold for a while. Um, had, um, Hadia was born, and we um, started looking for houses again, put in an offer on a house, another one around the corner. <laughs> our house, we got a buyer for hours, so everything was proceeding nicely, and then the purchase fell through. Um, so th this was the time where we were in the valley of the shadow of death because um, basically um, the what happened was that we had um, we had a buyer for our house um, and basically we had ten days to decide if we were going to sell our house and move and the purchase had fallen through and we had nowhere to go. Um, and so we were praying, fasting and praying, going, Lord, do you want us to go or not? And um, that morning we opened our Bibles and, and the word was, uh, when God tells you to go, go. We turned on the radio to UCB and it said, if God tells you to go, go. <laughs> and, and somebody else came along and said, if God tells you to go, go. So we... Um, went, right, we've got to go, and we had nowhere to go. Um, so we literally um, rang the movers up and said, can you pack our house into storage? And I said to the Lord, you've got 48 hours to find us a house. If you don't find us a house in 48 hours, God, I'm calling it. Anyway, um, at the 48th hour, a house came up on right move, um, and we, um, we literally packed. Uh, I said, right, can I be there? Uh, and it basically turned out at 9 o'clock the following morning, and there were four families looking at this house at the same time. Um, so I literally went in, ran out, and said to Andrew, ring them, we're taking it now. <laughs> so we took the house, and we were meant to be in rented for about six months till um, we found another house. We ended up being in that house for a year. Um, but as a result, we had an amazing relationship with an inmate an Egyptian family next door who had moved to the UK. Um, and um, by the end of that year, they said to us, we want you to know um, that you are now family to us and that you've shown us Jesus. They didn't accept Christ, but um, they, they really, you know, realized Jesus was real. Um, and then basically, sorry, I've taken That's all right, And then basically, we, we were told by someone from Ivy, um, would you think about this house? And I just kind of poo-pooed it and, and laughed um, because I said, there is no way I'm taking on a building project, um, given that we both work full-time and we had a five-year-old. Um, but anyway, we were praying about it, and God kept saying, go back to Withington, go back to Withington. And so we ended up actually buying the house across the road from the house we were going to buy three years earlier. What was the chance of that? Um, and when we moved in, um, we basically had 
no kitchen, no nothing. And I remember sit standing at the front of the house going to work when my tire was flat. Um, and I just stood on the steps and I started crying. And I was like, God, why are you doing this to us? You were, you were supposed to be giving us a hub to, to be something to the community. Um, and um, I was crying because the kitchen hadn't been delivered. My mom was arriving and I needed a kitchen. I needed a, a room for her. Um, and I was crying because the car tire was flat. And I remember looking out to the sky saying, God, turn up now. Um, and the clouds parted and a rainbow appeared and I suddenly thought, that is God's promise to me. Within five minutes, a delivery guy turned up and went, can I pump your tire up? And then the builder turned up and said, um, your kitchen's arriving tomorrow. Um, and to cut a long story short, um, yesterday we had, for the second year running, um, an annual neighborhood barbecue. We had 67 people come. Um, and uh, my mom was able to minister to someone whose dad had just died. Um, and it's just, it's amazing because we know God's starting a, a legacy in the area and people know that we're Christian. So, um, so God's doing something. So good. Thank you, guys. Great. So if, could the band come up and we'll just start. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, what encouraging stories. Uh, so now we get a chance to respond to some of this and, and start to ask God, uh, where is it? Could we have the questions? Uh, so where is it that he is inviting you to know him as your shepherd right now? Uh, so we've just got some time to reflect and the band will play. Um, yeah, and I'll pray over us. So thank you, Lord God, that... Um, that you're a God of abundance. Thank you that you're eternal, that everything, um, everything in this world belongs to you. And yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Uh, we invite you to take your place in our hearts and in our lives now. Would you speak to us? We know that you're already here. Uh, we ask that we'd yeah, know your manifest presence now, and would you speak to us, oh God? Show us how we can trust you, and would you just be putting your finger on those things in our lives where you're saying more is possible here. There's more for you here if you can give this to me. Help us to trust you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.